Christmas is a wonderful time of the year. For some people, it's a hurting time of the year. Sometimes for a church, you know what, you can, uh, you can carry a lot of that as well because you're bringing comfort and ministering to people. Um, and then on the other side of the, side of the coin, it's a joyful time of the year. You know, it's great when you have kids about and stuff because, you know what, they, they, they remind you of the excitement of Christmas. Boy, they really look forward to it. And a lot of adults look forward to it as well. But you know what, Christmas is one of, those th one of those things. People get under stress a lot at Christmas and then other people just love it. You know, some people can't wait to get the tree up. Some people can't wait to get it down. Some people can't wait for December. Some people are, can't wait to January. And you know what, that's, that's the thing about this time of the year. It costs people more money this time of the year in general. Um, there can be a lot of stress this time of the year. There can be some, so much that goes on this time of the year what people are juggling. I know for people that have lost loved ones, you know, uh, um, and it's the first year without them or second year or whatever, it's, it can be tough. Especially, you know, when it's really, really close loved ones. And so things can change at Christmas. I, I often think about, you know, like some of uh, my own parents and stuff like that. You know, when they, they lost people, I, I, they never ever made, you know what, our Christmas or birthdays or special days ever feel miserable. It's amazing how they were mature enough to be able to deal with all of that stuff and still recognize of kids of whatever and you know what you don't know what that's like until you're in that boat yourself and you know what I know the other year whenever we went through what we went through you know what I mean you were in that boat right my dad passed away on the 18th of December so you're like it's right before Christmas and then you've got kids to think about you've do you know what I mean you, you have to you have to um, do it all but I, I'm so thankful we're never without help no matter what we do. And you see, even in ministry, ministry is supernatural. There's a lot of natural things in it, but it's supernatural. You can't do it in the natural. Because it's amazing even in a church setting, you have to deal with all different types of people. You have to deal with different situations. You have to deal with one person over here celebrating a, a, a job promotion and someone over here is, is grieving. And you have to be able to minister to all of that. Well, the only way we can do it is, is by, with the help of God. The only way we can do it is to, is to be able to be receiving from God. And if we don't, um, we get stressed out. Doing ministry, people can get stressed out. It can become worrying unless we are receiving from Jesus. And that's why for all of us, an audience of one is so important. It's so important to, to let God pour into us. Uh, you don't go too far in life unless, you know, you stay full. Like whether it's your cupboards, <laughs> you know what I mean? You need your cupboards full. Um, your car, your car's not going to go too far unless it's full. You know what, anything. We're always in life, there's things where we're pouring in. If we don't pour in, we run empty. And it's not that we run out of the Holy Ghost. It's not because he'll, he's, He came to abide with us forever. Amen. It's not that we run out of Jesus. You know what? Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But we run out of the awareness. We run out of the, the, the awareness that He is with us. We run out of, 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 you know, we have the ability to believe, but we're not using it. It's like the lawnmower sitting in, in the shed. But it's not coming out and being used and cutting grass. Um, we have Jesus in us, but we're not drawn from Him. We have the Holy Ghost in us. We're not drawn from Him. We have the Word, but it's the dust collector or it's propping up a table or something. And it's not ministering to us. It, it doesn't benefit it unless we get it put in. And there has to be a pouring in. 
And if we are people that output, we first of all have to be people that input. Because we'll run out. You know what? It's, it's just not possible. It's like a rechargeable battery. It's good. But it'll run out, but then you have to recharge it, and then it'll run out, and you have to recharge it. It's like our phones, we're always keeping it topped up. Well, I have to keep it topped up, or you know what, it'll hit the red. Because it is, it is going to run, because it's being used. And the more you use it, like I, I was watching the World Cup and everything on my phone there, you know. And you're using all that energy on your phone, and you know what, the battery's just going down and down and down and down and down. But thank God you can charge it again. And it's ready to go again. Well, do you know what? If we don't stay charged, we know what happens? We end up stressed because there's a lot of stress in this world. We end up, um, you know what? Everything gets us down Christmas. We're already beat before it even arrives. You know, I, I listen to people sometimes. I hate Christmas. Haven't even got into December. They've already pre-programmed themselves. They're going to have a miserable time. No, I always say I'm going to have a great Christmas no matter what. You know what, people don't understand things like that, but even whenever my, my dad passed away, I said we're going to have a good Christmas. Not because he passed away, but because I'm not giving the devil any days of my life. Didn't mean to say I didn't get up and have tears and all of those kind of things, but I'm not going to let the devil win in any day. No chance, he's not winning, he's not getting any of my days. He doesn't deserve one of them. Amen. Not one. We owe him nothing. That's right. You start your day with Jesus, you start your day praising Him, you start your day worshipping Him. You know, I was reading something again there the other day, and it just, it just blessed me again. It was a Smith Wigglesworth, and he was staying with people. It was just a story about him. He was staying with people, and they heard a commotion upstairs. And they went upstairs to see what it was, and it was this older man. He was older at this stage, jumping off the bed, spinning and praising God, actually running around the room. And that's the way he lived. Um, Lester Summerall said that he asked Smith Wigglesworth, how does he start his day? I think he said it was 10 to, or 12 to 15 minutes, he says, of high-intensity praise and worship. That's what he said. High speed, that's what he called high speed praise and worship. Where he jumped out of bed and the first thing he did was give God praise. He didn't give the devil a second as soon as he opened up his eyes. Praise the Lord. He'd jump out. An old man out dancing. That's how he started off his day. That doesn't mean to say he didn't face things. He faced a lot of criticism. He was called everything that you can imagine. But how did he survive? He kept God pouring into him. He kept his relationship with God fresh. Amen. And that's the bottom line for all of us. An audience of one. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's important not to... Let things run down because that's where all of that comes, all of that stress. Let me look at this verse here for a moment in Matthew 11. And there's something I love about Jesus, that Jesus is personal. You know, the reality of it is, is really, we're not, we're not serving a church, even though we do serve in church and things like that there, but we're not serving. Didn't, I didn't get saved to join an organization, you understand? I didn't get saved to go to university, you know, like, and I know we come to church and learn, but, but what are we learning about? It has to affect our relationship with him. It's not just more information. Yet you learn, you, you know, it's amazing, you, you, you learn a lot, and it's amazing how God can pull things out of that. 
at certain situations, things you maybe learned five years ago, and God, right at that moment, there it is. But because you were putting it in, it was there for you. But that's still relationship. As God minister and the Holy Spirit brings things back to our remembrance. Amen. He came to glorify Jesus. He came to reveal Jesus. It's all about a relationship. You know what? Jesus is a person. In other words, like I, I taught a message one time before and it was about Jesus and the Pharisees and I was really showing who you're more like. Are you more like the Pharisees or are you more like Jesus? And to my shame, when I studied that message out, I seen there was areas in my life I was more like the Pharisees at the time. Yeah. I was Years ago I looked, looked at that and looked up all of the things with Jesus and different situations that Jesus and the Pharisees. And I could see, I could see with Jesus that Jesus was personal. He was up close and personal. He, was, he cared about people. He ministered to people. The Pharisees didn't care about people. They cared more about their animals than they did about someone getting healed because it was a Sabbath day. They, they didn't understand. They couldn't reason it all out. But they were principle-minded. They weren't personal. Whereas Jesus embodies both. Jesus never compromised his beliefs, his principles, what he lived by. But he was full of grace towards people. So Jesus was full of grace and truth. He embodied both. Whereas the Pharisees were just, well, they, they would fight you all day. They would argue with you. They'd condemn people. Jesus could minister to a woman brought to him, caught in the very act of adultery. He still loved the person, but never condoned the sin. How do you do that unless you're personal? He was, full, he was personal and full of principle. As in he was full of the word. He fulfilled the word of God. Yeah. So he never compromised the word. Yet, how do you do that? The Pharisees couldn't do it because it was the, the, the Pharisees and, and um, you know, the, the, those leaders that dragged this woman to Jesus trying to catch Jesus out to see what he was going to do. Because like, was he going to show love to this woman or was he going to break the law? And that's what they thought they had him. All they were interested in was trapping Jesus. That's all they cared about. How do we trap him? They did not care who got hurt in the process. And where was the man? They just dragged the woman. Last time I checked, it takes two to do that. You can't commit adultery on your own. They didn't care about the woman. They didn't care about any of it. The whole thing was a setup staged to try and catch Jesus out. But they didn't realize that Jesus is a, a holy Jesus. Jesus was sanctified, set apart, never broke the law, yet at the same time he could reach people. You can only do that when you're personal and have the principle. In other words, it's grace and truth. But I, you know what? When I see Jesus, I see a Jesus that loves people. I see a Jesus that is personal. I see a Jesus that can embrace people. I see a Jesus that let people t touch him and the, the women that came to his to, came and um, anointed his feet and stuff like that. I, I see a Jesus that's up close and personal. He's, he's a person. I never want to lose that. I don't want to get trapped in the next message and I forget it's about a relationship with him. I don't want to get trapped in, you know, I have enough series to do, which I do. I do things like that, but I can't. It's all to, to help people in their relationship with him. If we take that away, what do we have? You know what I mean? Then we, if it's not about him, do you know what? I, I don't get discouraged with numbers. Do you know why? I, I, I'm not saying I don't have to face, you know what? We all do. We all look and we think, you know, wish, I wish we were further. Everybody thinks like that. But it doesn't stop me from doing what I do. Do you know why? Because he shows up every single time. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, he's in the midst. Who did we come to meet with today? 
Yeah. You know what? We get to fellowship with each other. We get to do all of those things. But I don't go to church for coffee. I don't go to church for donuts. I don't go to church for all of them things. I don't go to church, you know, for all of the frills of Christianity. Yet I enjoy it all. And it's all important for fellowship. Iron sharpens iron. But if we are not meeting with Him, we're not going to be sharp to sharpen someone else. Yeah. It's all about meeting with Him. Yeah. And it always amazes me that Jesus is the only head of an organization, as in, I'm just saying that for the body of Christ is more than an organization, okay? It's the living, breathing body. We're, we're just like a hus husband and wife is joined together and become one. We're one spirit with him. We're joined to him. Yeah. We're a living organism. Yeah. But Jesus is the head. Yeah. Do you know what Jesus shows up to every service where he's the head of it? Yeah. Every single one. Amen. Even if it's the smallest gathering of two, if two believers show up together in his name, he's there in the midst. In the book of Revelations, you see him walking in the midst of the church. Why? Because he loves us. He's there to protect the church. He's also there to minister to the church. Why? Because he cares. He's jealous over us. Because we belong to Him. Amen. He cares for us. That's a personal Jesus. And sometimes we don't allow Him to be personal with us. And sometimes we can get so busy. That's what happens. We get so busy that stress and the cares of this world and, you know, all of them things get in. Other things become more important or other things become bigger. Or, you know what? We, we're in something and Jesus is, is there, but we're not drawn from Him. The Holy Spirit is there, but we're not drawn from Him. And it's not personal then. And then what happens is joy goes. You know what? We're critical. You know, we can get like that. We can get judgmental. We can get all in. But once we're not drawn from Him, it's amazing how the flesh starts looking tasty again. Or, you know, all of those things look tasty again. But when we're drawn from Him, it's amazing. He's, he becomes the center of everything. Jesus becomes the plumb line. Keeps everything centered. I always say out there, put Jesus as center. Everything else takes his right orbit around him. But if, if he's not the center and we're not receiving from him and we're not, so to speak, pulling into the petrol station, being filled up or sticking in the charger, staying charged up, what happens is everything else in our life is hitting collision courses and, you know, there's no correct orbit. But when Jesus is the center, it's amazing how everything else can take its rightful place. Everything else can get sorted. Because we're drawn from Him. Amen. There's strength to deal with the things. There's strength to deal with the opposition that comes, the, the um, suddenlies, the negative suddenlies that come in our lives. It's, there's, there's strength there to deal with it. Yeah. Now here's what Jesus said here in, Ma in Matthew 11, verse 22. He said, look at this, Come on to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Verse 1 again, it says, Come on to me. Do you know what? That's our part. Yeah. You know what? Come is an invitation. Yeah. God won't make us. But he invites us. Yeah. Come on to me. That's personal. Yeah. God wants you around him. Jesus wants you around him. 
Jesus isn't like, you know what, when we get a phone call, I'm calling around and we're like, oh no. <laughs> Do you ever have anybody just land on your door and you think, oh dear Lord, the night's not going to be a good night. <laughs> I wasn't expecting them. But you know what, Jesus is not like that. Do you think God Jesus isn't like us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus is more grace than all of us. He's like, come on to me. He didn't say, you know what, you have to qualify to come. You know, have you been good this week? Have you been this, that, and the other to come to me this week? No, he just said, come. Yeah. It's a personal invite to come. Come on to me. Praise God. I love that. Come on to me. Now, the reason he says to come on to me, let me, let me just put this out here this morning, just a couple of things with this verse, is because he first of all came. The reason we can come on to him is because he first of all came to us. We're not the initiator in this relationship. He is. He came. So that there's availability then for us to come on to him. But our part is still to come. But the invite is because he has made it available. Now, you know, the Bible says of Jesus, it said he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But then he says, as many as did receive him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Do you know what? He came. He came to his own. He said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. So Jesus said, I am come a light. You can see it. Jesus came. Um, it says of Jesus, as he went about, you see, he came to his own. He went about. Some accepted him, some didn't. But he came for all. It says here, when he came to Nazareth, it says that Jesus, he came to Nazareth, and you know what? They did not receive him. He went to his hometown, and they did not receive him. There he could do no mighty works like. He couldn't do anything save heal a few minor illnesses, as it says in, in the Greek. Um, he came to the temple, the Bible says, to the the, the chief priests and, you know, all of the religious, he came, but they rejected him. The leaders rejected him. Many of the people accepted him, but the leaders rejected him. The Bible lets us know clearly, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son in John 3 verse 16. Um, Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. Praise God. I love that because he came for us. Yeah. He wants, he wants relationship with us. He wants an intimate relationship with us. For the Son of Man is come to save that which is lost. The Bible says in Matthew 18 and verse 11. You may know the Bible says Jesus left the 99 and he went after the one. You can see it. Jesus came, you see. Jesus pursued. Even some of the stories, Jesus went to the woman at the well. Think about it. He said, I must needs be in Samaria. He went to meet a woman that nobody else wanted to meet. Yeah. He went to meet a woman that had to come to the well at a time when none of the other women would go because they would not be associated with her because of her past. And yet Jesus loved that woman enough that he went out of his way, went to a location where the Jewish people would not go, went a direction that the Jewish people would not go. When they would come to the fork in the road, the Jews would go that way because they would walk right round that area not to go near those people. Because yeah. we don't associate with them, but not Jesus. 
Jesus was about his father's business and he went to a well to meet a woman. That woman came out to Jesus, but he was there for her. And I thank God that we can come to him, but the only reason we can come is because he first of all came for us. He first of all came and died for us. Amen. Jesus went to, to the demoniac through a storm to get to the demoniac. You know, I, I love that song, There's No Mountain I Won't Climb Up. Coming after me. I can't remember the name of it. No, yeah, no wall, I won't kick down. And all of those kind of things. Amen. Tear down, coming after me. Amen. That song used to bug me in some ways because, like, I don't believe God's love is reckless. God is always in control. But then I, I, I thought about it. I, th I think what they're just trying to say is God will do anything to get to you. But um, I, I don't believe God is reckless. And sometimes me, because I can be technical, because when you teach the Word, you are technical. Words are important to you. Yeah. But um, I usually sing the selfless love of God. That's what I sing whenever I sing it myself. But I know what they're saying, because like, if, as, a, as a parent, do you know what? If your child was over there and someone was hurting your child, you would climb a tree or anything to get, to that, to get over a tree or jump a car or... You know what I mean? You would do anything, kick anything, yeah. to get to your child. Yeah. And you know what? I believe God, He came. Look at all of the criticism that Jesus put up with when He took on flesh to get to you and to get to me. Man, many times as Christians we can get discouraged. You know why? It's just simply we forget. We get burdened. We get overworked, we get stressed, we face so many things, you know, and things go on in our lives. And you know what, if we don't deal with it, what happens is everything mounts up and mounts up and after a while we're under it. Yeah. We're under the circumstances, you know what I mean? You know what, the reality of it is we're never meant to be under the circumstances. It doesn't mean to say circumstances don't come. But we're not meant to be under them. But sometimes we can find ourselves or we pull the blanket of circumstances over and we get a wee bit of comfort off it and then the next thing we're staying there. Instead of kicking that off. Amen. Amen. But then the Bible does tell us to come on to Jesus. You know, I was just thinking about all of the people who came to Jesus. And you read through the Gospels, you can see people who came to Jesus over and over again. Yes, Jesus came for us. He was on the earth at that time. And I'll tell you, people, there was people that did anything to get to him. I don't want to lose that. You know, when, when myself and Donna started going out, that's the way I was about her. And I did anything to get to spend time with her. Jump in the car, drive. I'd have been getting up early in the morning, but driving to see Donna. Me and Donna would be sitting talking, you know, outside her house when we first started going out. We'd just be sitting there in the car outside the front of the house, talking, talking. To the early hours of the morning, sometimes just sitting there, just sitting outside the front. And then you'd be driving home, getting up for work early in the morning. and You know what I mean? But I'll tell you, when you're in love, you have to just get to the person. I don't ever want that to... I don't want to ever get to that stage with him. I'm not, you know, I can take your leave you kind of a thing. I've got used to you. I want to be like the old song. I keep falling in love with him. Over and over and over and over again. It gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Amen. I remember there was a couple of things whenever... Um, when I got saved, I can remember I was working one time in Belfast. We were putting windows into houses. 
I can remember going into this house and there was this elderly man sitting who was retired. And when I went in, he had his Bible beside him, sitting open. And his family told me, he says, he reads that book constantly. He's a retired man, an older man, sitting with a Bible out beside him. That always impacted me just going and it impacted the family. And I thought, you know what, that's the way I want to be when I'm older. I want my love for Jesus to be sweet like that. I remember there was an old man when, years ago when I was growing up, and I can remember being around him, and when you'd go into the house, he was an older man, and he would always have his Bible sitting open. And it wasn't just clacking dust. He was, he was a, he's, there's a man that walked with God for years and years and years, had preached in different things, but his Bible just was, was very important to him. His relationship with God was very important. You know, my granny, that's the way my granny was. You'd go in and she'd have her Bible open. I walked in many a time and her sitting reading. Before I got saved, just walk in, she'd be sitting reading her Bible. Older woman. Praise God. Um, the woman with the issue of blood, she came to Jesus. You know, when you come to Jesus, good things happen. She came to Jesus. The centurion, on behalf of the servant, came to Jesus. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. A religious leader, but... Had to get to Jesus, he had to find out, he had questions, he had things he needed to know. And the, the, the 5,000 came to Jesus and experienced a miracle. The little children, Jesus let them come to him. The Bible says that he said, suffer not the little children to come on to me. Sometimes we can get irritated with, with kids. I tell you, Jesus loved the children. Love seeing them laugh and love seeing the, the joy in them and the fun in them. I don't, I don't believe for one second Jesus was born. No. I do not believe that Jesus was walking around like Sergeant Major and there was no life about him. He was so different than religion. The life of God was oozing out of him. The Bible says that the life was the light of the world. That's the life we have in us. He loved, he loved the children. Um, the sick of the palsy that time when they came on the, on the stretcher, four let them in through the roof. They ripped the roof off to get to Jesus. Sometimes the hunger leaves people. The desire leaves people. Some people, Jesus is take it or leave it. Some people, Jesus is just, you know what I mean? Just the, Every excuse under the, under the sun not to be with him. Not to fellowship together. Not every excuse. It's amazing when we got saved. We look for every opportunity to be with Him. I don't want to go from opportunity to excuse. I don't want to be someone that I was, I was on fire for Jesus, but now I'm always looking for excuses. You know, see, it's not, Jesus hasn't changed. Not one bit. He's still, he's still the same. Praise God. You know, this principle will come on to Jesus. This is what kept me when I wasn't well. Because when I wasn't well and got, and got that report, I wanted to run. I said to Don, I want to run with tears in my eyes. But uh, you know what? You, when you've sat in a doctor's office and they have told you, it could be curtains like... And then you're told that what they're going to do, all of the things that they're going to do to try and keep you alive. I, I mean, I, I wanted to run. I wanted the ground to open up and swallow me right there and then. You know what I mean? I just wanted to 
get on a plane or something and go away and not see anybody. That's the way I felt. Didn't want to see anybody again. But I tell you, on the inside of me, I knew I needed Jesus more than I ever needed him. And I made my mind up, I'm running to you. I'm going to run to you. The Brian Adams anointing came on to me, you know. I'm going to run to you. <laughs> and I ran to him. I just had this picture on the inside of me of Jesus standing like that. And me running and not just coming up and we, we, we side hug what we do as Christians, you know what I mean? Not like that. I mean running and just diving into him. Just embracing him and holding on. Amen. And it's not that we're holding on to him. The reality of it is he's holding on to us. Amen. It's just our response to him. He's already arms stretched out. But you know what? It was just that running into him. And you know what? That was a, a choice there was what kept me. Because at that choice, I had a choice to run from him or run to him. And it wasn't just me. It was myself and Donna together. I went up a mountain and sat on a, a rock. After getting that report, and I sat on a rock, and I looked over Carlingford, and I just sat there, and I just talked to God. And I just told him, God, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my days. I don't care what it looks like. You are good. You're not my problem. You're my answer. Amen. And I realized I needed him. And I, but here's the thing. We always need him. I can honestly say this. It was not easy going through everything that I had to go through. It was not easy. You know what? The operations I got were big. Um, the chemotherapy was tough. I found it tough. But and physically at times, but he carried me. I, I, I have never experienced God as close to me as that time. Never. And all of my Christian walk. God's always here, but he draws close in trouble. It's not that he's not close, that you're aware of it when you, when you run into him. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into him and they are safe. I, 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 that's that coming to him. And I tell you, that was the closest. He carried me. Even with, with my kids. My kids never missed out on anything that whole time. My relationship with the kids. You know what? It was a couple of times I felt edgy and all the rest. But, but Donna kept everything in order. My kids would come and hug me and sit close to me and all of those kind of things. And as to the glory of God, yeah. that's all it is. As to the glory of God. But you know what it is? It's a choice. You run to Him. Yeah. Or you run from Him. That's the option. Exactly. Running from Him might look attractive at times. You know, sometimes when the pressure's on. But who's going to carry it? Yeah, exactly. Who's going to minister to you? Yeah. I tell you, having Jesus... And your worst day is better than not having him in your best day. Yeah. Having Jesus with you no matter what you go through. And, and everything I went through, none of it was from God. Oh, sickness is a curse from the pit of hell. Yeah. But here's the reality of it. I thank God that he didn't abandon ship. Yeah. And when I ran to him, he was there. He's closer than a brother. Yeah. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When everybody else leaves, he doesn't. Or when circumstances are hard, he doesn't run. But the Bible says, come unto him. You have to come unto him. It says here, come unto, come unto me. But then he says, look at that. I will give you rest. Look at that first, I. See, you come unto him. 
I will. It's amazing how people will run everywhere but Jesus. It's amazing how Christians will run everywhere else but run to Him. When no one else can give you what He can give you. When you're burdened, nobody else can lift it. When you have things hurting in you, no one else can take that away. When you, when you feel like you've been winded, you've been hit hard, there's no one else can minister into that. There's no one else can minister into a lonely heart. Or no one else can minister into rejection. No one else can minister into, into you know, um, someone walking away, a close friend walking away. The pain of that. No one else can minister into grief. Nobody else can. Only Jesus. Amen. Amen. No one else, I always say, nobody else can touch that button. Because nobody else knows it. Sometimes people, sometimes people mess it up. See, sometimes even going to counsellors. And you know what? There's a lot of good people and people have, have, have got help from counsellors at times. Okay? But there's nothing like the counsellor. Because the counsellor knows. He knows. Other counsellors tell you what they learnt in a book. They're reading you. They're giving you the steps. They go through the steps. But it is amazing how the Holy Ghost can push all them steps away and just say, ah, let me just hit that button there. Let me in there. Just let me in there. Just let me love on you there. Just let me, let me, let me tell you that. That may have been said. But you know what? Let me tell you what I say about you. I love you. You're mine. You belong to me. Doesn't matter what they said. Their words. You let my weights, my words carry weight right into that area. And it'll push all of that out of you. Only the Holy Ghost can do that. I know because he's done it to me. There's been things that I have had said over me or said to me over the years or even said to me when I was younger in life things, you know what I mean, in your teens and different things that really hurt and yet opened myself up to him. Healing came, he sent his word and healed me. That's personal. Again, I will, only Jesus can do it. Look at that, I will. Don't will is, I'm going to do it. See, if you come to him, he's not saying, oh, I might be able to help you. No, he says, I will. Yeah. I will give you rest. What did Jesus say to the leper when the leper came? The leper says, if you're willing, you can, you can cleanse me, you can heal me. And what did Jesus say? Stop that. I will. Yeah. I will was definite. No, it's like, surely. Yeah. Amen. There are terms that God has that are definite. Um, our sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. You get a revelation of that, I tell you, it changes your life. Because he's not remembering. That's the only thing the devil is using to condemn you. To, to accuse you. But you get a revelation, I will, your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. He has nothing to throw at you anymore. All of his paintballs, you know what, they've all been sat down. He's nothing to shoot at you that way. He can bring accusations and he'll continue, but they won't stick. They're not going to stick. Praise God. Look at that. I will give you rest. When you come to Jesus, he's not going to, you're not going to leave empty. He is going to give you something. 
How many times do we come to him and we leave better? The Bible says, of his fullness have all that we received. I don't go to Jesus while we cup a thimble. I come to Jesus and say, I want it all. That's Freddie Mercury anointing now. I want it all. <laughs> There's no mercy coming from this side. <laughs> no, but that's the way we need to come. I want it all, Lord. I want it all. We can come with a thimble or I'm telling you, we can back up with a dumper truck and say, pour it all on. Amen. I will give you. Do you know what that means? He's interested in you. Only you can come for you. In that sense. You understand? You know, thank God people can pray for us and different things like that. But there is no replacement for us coming. I said the other day, as many times with Christians, Christians many times can become um, prayer line junkies to where they just want, just pray for me, just pray for me, just pray for me. And there's a place to pray for people. There's a place to lay hands on people. And I believe in the laying on of hands. I believe the prayer of agreement, if two agree on anything. You know what I mean? I believe in all of that. I believe in coming in agreement with people. But there's no replacement to renewing your own mind. Absolutely none. There's a lot of people that they just want people to pray for them. They're prayer line dependent, but they don't renew their mind. Um, we do pray for people and we should pray for people. But there is no replacement for renewing your own mind. There's no replacement for coming and having your own relationship with God. Um, a prayer line is like shaking the apple tree and all the apples fall off. But if you don't deal with the root, the apples will all be back. But the renewing of the mind deals with the way you think. And when you change the way you think, amen, what happens is change your thinking. Your life begins to change. Your behavior begins to change. That's why in the book of Romans chapter 1, do you know what caused the behavior to go downhill? Because when they knew God, they stopped glorifying Him as God and they became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened and you watch, it just plummeted from there. And they, kept, they suppressed, the Bible says, the truth. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And what happened was, it affected their actions. When you put God out of your thinking, your actions go the wrong way. When you put God in your thinking, your actions start going the right way. That's why the Bible says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put off the old man. How do you do that? by being renewed in the spirit of your mind so that you can put on the new man. When you put on the new man, look how it affects your behavior. In Ephesians, it talked about their, their, their foolish heart was darkened as well. They were Gentiles living in the vanity of their mind. And then it shows their lifestyle, how it affected their lifestyle. Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about the same thing. Because they were um, allowing the, the God of this world to influence their mind, it affected what they did in their body. And I'm for prayer lines, yes, but I'm also for renewing of the mind. And I've seen more people set free from renewing their mind than yeah. anything else. Exactly. And sometimes it's subtle, you don't even see it yeah. because it's progressive. It's like growing, you grow up, you get taller and you know, all of a sudden you go, oh, look at the height of you know, everybody says that when they say, see Tyler and Alexis now, because Tyler's now, or Alexis is now taller than Donna. And Tyler's now, he's looking me square in the face. I think he's probably taller than me now at this stage. But I'm not giving it to him until we measure. <laughs> I told him, you're not getting that. You're not getting it until we measure. 
I said to them the other day, you're too afraid now to measure because the last time I was a quarter of an inch bigger <laughs> and I'm holding on to it. Um, but look, I will give you rest. God cares for you. Amen. He cares for you. And then it says, I will give you what? Rest. That's what he gives us. See, when everything's up in the air, run to him. And, I, you know, I've done it over the years. I'm saying the hardest one for me was, or the biggest one for me was facing all of that with, with that health issue. But I tell you, that principle has helped me over and over and over again. As I've learned, every time I've come up at work before, I'm going to run to him. But you know what? He wants us coming to him, not just during problems. That's a lifestyle. That's a lifestyle of, of just coming to him, walking with him. Amen? I will give you rest. Praise God. Do you know what? Jesus can calm down all the trouble on the inside. He can calm down anything, any turmoil that ever comes. He can, he can bring calm to it. He's the only one who can. Only him. I will give you rest. Praise God. The world is doing anything to get rest. The world spend thousands upon thousands upon thousands looking for peace from all different places. Do you know when tragedy happens, you know where many people run to the battle? And yet you can't find peace there? Chocolate? Yes, yeah, it tastes nice. <laughs> but you can't find peace there? I'm going to get comfort from a chocolate. That chocolate can't comfort. People have a breakup order. They go, go and buy a tub of ice cream. Because I feel bad. I'm going to, I'm going to really just throw everything in me and really feel bad. I know, hang ice cream. And do, do you know what? There's a, I love ice cream. That's one of my things. I just love ice cream. I, I have to be balanced with ice cream because I could eat it morning, noon and night. I'll always tell Donna, don't bring that in. Just don't bring it in. Do you know Pringles? No way when you pop. You ask me if I open the thing at Ben and Jerry. I always say I'm going to eat half of it. I've never had half of it. <laughs> never. Eat half of it at a time. Oh yeah, I had half of it and took a break and then it started again. <laughs> Praise God, but I'll give you rest. Amen. Let me just read the rest of this verse and we'll close this morning. Praise God for Jesus. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And again, we know that. That's a, that's a work tool. You know what? God does want us to be productive in the kingdom of God. But doing it without him and doing it with him. We're doing all the pulling. We're doing, we think the burden's on us. But you know what? Jesus can carry it all. We can't. Take my yoke upon you and look at that. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly of heart. And look at that. And you shall find rest for your Souls, praise God. You know, I, I'm so glad we, you can come to Jesus, amen. I'm so glad he's not standing saying, you can't come to me. Who do you think you are? You know, belittle, he doesn't belittle, belittle us. I'm telling you, Jesus is meek. Think that the God of the universe is meek. Is gentle. Is inviting. Will never laugh at you. Do you know what I mean? When you come to him, he won't laugh at you and say, ah, look at what you did. Yeah, there's the way you did it. That's what you get. 
That's what happens when you do it on your own. He's not like that. I've seen leaders like that at times over the years. I've seen yeah, you think you can? Fine, go do it. There's no meekness in that. There's no gentleness in that. There's no, no, as a parent, there's no um, parental love in that. I've seen other leaders, but I tell you, they just, every time they open up their mouth, they ministered into you. Amen? Just would minister. You'd always leave blessed. You'd always leave full. You'd always leave encouraged. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Amen? For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. That is what troubles more people than anything else. See up here? Yeah. You can find rest in there. It's going to bring rest into your marriage. Rest into dealing with, you know, loved ones. Rest in how you, you approach things. There's rest, because there's rest in here. I, I find any time I get stressed up here, I, I become irritable, I become sharp. I can snap easy, I can say things. Or yeah. uh, uh, No one is different than what you, the way you usually respond or something. You know what, you just don't like it. Um, but it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Praise God. Thank God that we can come and be with Him. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Lord, we just love you this morning. We just thank you, Lord God, just for the, the joy of, of being with you, one-on-one -on -one with you, Lord. Thank you, that'll be the passion of our hearts, Lord, that we spend time with you, Lord. And I thank you that you came to us, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, we have that open invitation to come to you, Lord. Lord, we just love you and praise you. And I just thank you, Lord, for the rest of this week. Lord, we call this week blessed in Jesus' name. Just thank you for your goodness and your favor upon us, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, even in this build-up to Christmas, Lord, that we will not allow stress and worry and concern to swamp us, Lord God, but we'll be people that keep our eyes on Jesus, Lord. Lord, you're the lover of our souls, that we can run to you, Lord God, no matter what we face in life, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you want us to have rest in our souls, Lord, rest in our minds, joy in our heart, Lord. Lord, we just praise you in Jesus' name.